Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. Here we are back at the boot camp, and I'm coming to you from the Senior Adult Ladies Sunday School classroom of Shady Grove Baptist Church in Batesville, Mississippi. Yes. I see two whiteboards behind you, Jimbo, and a map of Paul's missionary journeys. Yep. I I could show you the missionary journeys. also have the seat pads for all the seats. Great. Which is how I know I'm in the senior adult ladies class. And we got flowers and a vase. Nice little table over here with your missions giving offering envelopes and and so sweet church. I got to preach here for Mother's Day. I did not wear a full suit, but I did have a tie on and I did preach through the King James, old King Jimmy. And Audrea sang a special about mamas and the kids <laughs> passed out gifts to all the mamas in the place. It was a good old Good old Sunday at Shady Grove Baptist Church. So what song, and it's not Christmas, so you didn't sing Christmas Shoes. No, it wasn't Christmas Shoes. What song did Audrea sing about mamas? Man, to be honest, I don't know. I'd never heard it before in my life. <laughs> she did a good job. We'll have to ask her. But Mamas don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys. Was it that one? No, or? no. She kept joking she was going to do Johnny Cash's Mama Tribe. Okay. <laughs> she, she just... Pick some song. I honestly, it's a song she used to sing with her mama as a special when she was a kid. I think. Gotcha. And then I think, she, and I think she like changed some some of the words to make it even more mama focused. Oh, were there were there any tears that were shed during? I don't know. Of- so so here's the other interesting thing is this church has the wings off. So like, yeah. There's the pul- there's the pulpit, and then just to the left and the right of the pulpit, there's like the little wings there. Well, Audrey's mom, the first lady of Shady Grove Baptist Church, sits in the corner of the wing where you can't see her. And so we decided to sit with her as she hid in the corner. And so I I really couldn't see anything but the stage as Audrey was singing. That's where she always sits? She always sits there? I think not always. I think she kind of jumps around all over the place. But we have a good relationship. So I, I made a little... A little dig at her in, the, in my introduction about her hiding in the corner. <laughs> nice. Call her my mother in love. I have a great relationship with my in-law. So, Hey, little known fact before we jump into the topic of podcast, but Jimbo, I actually sang special music for a church when I was uh, a worship leader for a while. You may not know that. I didn't even know you were a worship leader for a while. Well, just for a while, just for a while. Not a professional worship leader, but I, I could get the job done for a while. Okay. On Father's Day, Jimbo... I sang a special song. And do you want to guess what that song was? Good, good father? No, Jimbo. That was like just last week. Then that song was popular. (laughs) (laughs) This was years ago. Jimbo, I sang one of the most popular songs in all of contemporary Christian music back in that era. Jimbo, I sang Butterfly Kisses on Father's Day. Oh, wow. Yeah. Can you give us a bar real quick? No, I cannot. I cannot <laughs> give you a bar. But little known fact, Bob Bickford sang Bob Carlisle's song, Butterfly Kisses, 
on a Sunday morning. Jimbo, there were a few people crying and it wasn't because I was a bad singer. It's just because the song, you know, the song evokes, evokes some tears. Look, the golden guru with the golden voice. <laughs> yes. I, I, I can do a good radio announcer voice, but that is about as close to music as I'm going to get. I know we've already established that you can carry uh, two two notes and then it falls apart from there, right? For some reason, man, I don't know if it's my dyslexic brain or what, but I just I just can't do it for very long. I, I, I'll, I'll lose it. Yeah. So if you asked me to lead worship, you know what I would do? You'd play uh, Nathan Drake. Exactly. Reawaken hymns. That's exactly what I would do. I would pull out my phone and I would say, I've got just the thing for you. <laughs> yes. So if you don't know who Nathan Drake is, catch up from uh, a couple of boot camps ago. He was the worship leader and uh, we're trying to buy him a new chair and some headphones. So check that episode out. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Man, I'm excited to get on here with you and record. This is going to we're recording a couple weeks in advance because of some travel. But here's what I want to tell you what I'm excited about. And I'm in the, in the next couple of weeks before this goes live, this will be more real or come out there. But it came out officially today in a news report that Tim Tebow is in negotiation with the Jacksonville Jaguars to be a tight end. Well, you know, I might have to leave my beleaguered and beloved Dallas Cowboys and become a Jacksonville Jaguars fan. You know, because you got Trevor Lawrence yeah, and you got Tim Tebow. You got two strong Christian guys. You got some guys that are, you know, really nice, good dudes. And then you got Jacksonville and you live in Jacksonville and I love you. And now I love Jacksonville. So there you go. I think I'm a Jacksonville Jaguars fan right now. Plenty of room on the bandwagon to jump on. <laughs> our, our buddy Kyle Beerman texted me earlier today. He said, I'm imagining it now. It's a beautiful October day and Trevor Lawrence throws a pass to Tim Tebow, he gets a touchdown, and it's free Chick-fil-A for everyone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Is that the way it works? Man. I don't know. I think maybe, I think, I think when, when Trevor Lawrence throws a touchdown pass to Tim Tebow, everyone in the country gets free Chick-fil-A. That's how it works. All right. Well, maybe could uh, the local eatery there, the What's Cooking Eatery, could they get in on a sponsorship with Tim Tebow and Trevor Lawrence? <laughs> what, what's Cooking got shut down? Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> was it the murder or was it the uh, egg in a hole that they could egg in a basket or they couldn't do? What I don't know, it? man. I don't know. There's, there's probably a number of things. Man, we better start talking about our topic. All right. Let's, we gotta, we're got we're seven minutes in. We got to jump in. All right. Here's what we want to talk about today is in the midst of everything going on, more and more we see Church consultants out there, people offering church consultation, associations are getting trained to be consultants through the North American Mission Board. Hundreds of associational leaders have been trained through that to help some churches figure some things out. There's all this stuff out there. And here's the deal. One, should you, I want to ask, we didn't talk about this, but I want to ask this question first, and I don't want to spend too long on it, but should your church hire or retain somehow someone from the outside to consult? And if so, how do you figure out who that's going to be? And then how do you, and then lastly, how do you know that your church is even ready to receive consultation? And so I want to, I want to frame it this way first, because when we use the word consultation, I think when we use words like that, sometimes we, we quickly lose ourselves and like, well, that's just very businessy language, right? In my mind, in a perfect world where consultation is biblical, 
then in my mind, I the passage I think about is Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, right? So in Galatians chapter 6, it says that if you have uh, a burden too heavy, then those who are spiritual should help you carry that burden and therefore fulfill the law of Christ. And, and really that passage also talks about carrying your own load, which is your responsibilities. Nobody else can carry your responsibilities. You have to carry your own responsibilities. And in the Greek, that word insinuates that it's something that you carry in your day pack as on, on a journey. But then on the burden, it the Greek gives us the connotation of something that's too heavy for one person to carry. And so in my mind, when a consultant of some form, whether they come from a local association or some or wherever, does the thing right, then it's it's Galatians 6.2, fulfilling the law of Christ, helping you carry something. So one, let's start off question one, should you get a consultant? Question two, if so, what? how do you decide who that should be? And then question three, how do you even know if your church is ready to receive outside consultation? Yeah, great questions. The first one, I, I think you, you can answer it a couple of ways, but I'll just say this. Probably the answer most of us should come up with is yes. And here's why. When we're leading a local church, we have uh, a particular point of view that is shaped and formed by the context of that. And so we are often blind to things that are just part of that context that may not make sense or that may not be effective or that people have questions about, right? And so we may be blind. People talk about, and I think you mentioned this on a, a podcast one time, you talked about the the fact that some people are nose blind, right? And if you, if you are a cat lady and you got a thousand cats in your house and you're just used to a thousand cats, then you're nose blind to that. You walk in and it just seems normal to you that an outsider comes in and that doesn't seem normal. So I think churches can become blind. So, man, I think yes is the, the probably the right answer for that first question. I would agree. I think we obviously would not want to answer the first question without answering the second question. But just to the to the simpleness of the first question, should you be willing to let someone give you outside perspective? Yeah, absolutely. I think we should always be willing to receive wise counsel, right? The Proverbs speaks to that in a lot of different ways. We see it we see it all throughout the Bible, right? We see Moses with Jethro receives consultation from his father-in-law. We see over and over and over people give outside wisdom into things. And I think I think it shows humility and shows teachability and wisdom to seek that. Now, question number 2, where do you seek that from? Who who do you ask? Where do you go if a listener is listening to this and they're going, yeah, man, I would love some outside perspective. Where can they find that that is going to be helpful? Yeah, man, I, for the first thing I would just want to stress is within the Southern Baptist family, we have levels of relationships that are local, regional, and national. And so one of the things I just would recommend is your local association should be one of the first places you think about considering many of the associational leaders, the associational missional strategists, the directors of missions, they, they've committed their life. They have some training. They have some resources and are close to you. And one of the big things is that there's no charge, right? There's no no cost involved. And, and so I think if you have a really good association with a good leader, then you might consider that secondarily, if you have a, a pastor, like a, a, a long-term pastor, 
pastor that's had some success, a pastor that you relationally have connected with that you know is a humble, good servant kind of a pastor that's not just going to try to tell you to make a mini version of his church, right? But is going to come in and ask you the questions that you need to be asked to press around and poke around a little bit. I think that would be good. Maybe even Jimbo, a seminary friend who is outside of your context or a former professor would be a, a, a good person. Most of the time, I think I used to think I would be really drawn to the guys that would do presentations at conferences. And, you know, I'd go to some kind of church growth conference or some kind of Andy Stanley type deal or, or be somewhere. And I think, man, if I could just have like 20 minutes with that guy and run my scenario by him, because he, because what he said from the stage is so awesome and great. Surely he would be able to give me the right answers. And the truth is he probably can't, right? He, his expertise is related to his situation and he's principally developed a talk around truths that are translatable into many different contexts, but probably not necessarily yours. So, and those, are, those are some of the people that I would line up first, Jimbo, to think about uh, reaching out to. Yeah, I would agree. I think so. Just to recap and affirm that if you're in the Southern Baptist world that we're in, then you have some built in consultants, coaches right there already as a part of it in your local association, your state convention, and then even nationally through things like the replant team, we might could get you connected with, with somebody that's going to be able to help you. If you're not in that denomination or you don't have access to that, then look around at who would you want to have shaped that? Who would you want to have that bounce off of you? One of the things that I, we see a lot is coaching and uh, coaching is, is different than consulting, right? And if you can't get a good consultant, it might be just as if, if depending on the scenario, maybe even more beneficial to get a coach. So just to quickly differentiate those two, consulting is giving advice and sharing experience, education, wisdom, and saying, here's, here's things I notice, here's some direction you ought to go. Whereas coaching is really asking really good questions and helping you figure out what's going on. And when I think about coaching, I think about Proverbs chapter 20, verse five says, the purpose in a man's heart is like deep water but a man of understanding will draw it out. And so it's this idea of just asking good questions. I would even say a good consultant is going to spend a lot of time coaching you, yeah. asking good questions. Here's a great illustration in my life that I, I use to help me understand that. When I was in college, I got my bachelor's degree studying theater and with an emphasis in directing. And as I was studying directing, one time I got to be an assistant director to the head of our department at the time, Mr. Obra Quave. And Mr. Obra Quave was a nationally renowned and recognized theatrical director with all sorts of acc accolades and everything. It was a pretty big deal that I got to work under him. And he was directing this actor on a specific line in a way that he wanted him to say it. And he just kept asking him questions. And naive, ignorant little me did not understand why he was just asking questions. And so like an absolute arrogant moron, I just jumped in and looked at the actor and said, what Mr. Quave is trying to get you to see is that you need to say the line like this. And I say the line the way that Mr. Quave wanted it said. And I wasn't wrong about how he wanted it said, but if Mr. Quave could have killed me with his eyeballs at that moment, <laughs> he he tried and he told me to he he told me succinctly to sit down and shut my mouth and that we would discuss this after rehearsal 
And so I put my tail between my legs. I sat down and after rehearsal, he came to me and he said, he said, two very important lessons you need to learn right now. One, you're not the director. So keep your mouth shut. You only say things if I ask you to say things. (laughs) Two, even more importantly, and this was, this was the, this was the gold right here. Never, ever, ever give an actor a line reading ever. He said, here's why. If you give an actor a line reading, they will only mimic what you did. And whenever, whenever stage fright hits and they go blank on stage, they'll have nowhere to pull from and it'll be a disaster. But if you'll just ask them really good questions and help them come to a conclusion of why that character would say that line at that moment in that way, and they know the subtext, they know the motivation, they understand everything about that line. They may not say it exactly the way you want, but if they go blank, they'll have a deep well to draw from and they'll know what to do, right? So here's what I say about coaching with consulting. If I go into a church, and here's, I tell churches this, I say, if I just tell you what to do, then when it becomes painful and it will become painful, you'll stop. And you'll just think that I gave you bad advice because you'll go, this is what Jimbo said to do. And this seems really painful. But if we go through a process of asking questions and self-discovery and you come to a conviction from your time in prayer, and it's led by the Holy Spirit through the word of God, through good discussion and discovery, then there's a conviction to it. And when it becomes painful, and it will, then you have conviction there that'll carry you through it. So I would say, if you can't get a good consultant, get a good coach, but a good consultant is a good coach. And so, yes, get somebody, get get wise advice to get somebody that's not just after your money, get somebody that, that is going to ask more questions than just tell you what to do and ask about churches that they have consulted and have those churches actually revitalized, right? Mm-hmm. Like if they're like, well, I've consulted 75 churches. Man, that's <laughs> awesome. That's really cool. Out of those 75 churches, how many of them saw noticeable revitalization over a sustained period of time? Right. I, I think let's let's factor in the statistic that Rayner always throws out that 80 percent of revitalizations fail. And so whatever number, I mean, give the guy some grace because most churches really struggle to put into practice these good things that they discover on their own or the things that are recommended mm-hmm. to them. So I don't think you have to have a guy that's got like a 100 percent track record, but you got to have some you got to have some success, some measurable type of, of influence that this individual has had over the churches. And I would say it's best if you can find somebody who's actually done replanting or revitalizing that can actually yes. has been in the battle and knows the scar, has the battle scars and can, mm-hmm. can read the situation and really tell you what it's like in the trenches and survived. Or you could also learn from somebody who tried it and failed. Yeah. So, uh, so I think that there's, there's kind of that dual side of, of coaching and consulting that you want somebody that's had, had actually done it. And I would also say, my recommendation is somebody who's probably done it recently, mm-hmm. right? Somebody who's who's got now experience because here's what we we can say with 100% certainty and accuracy. The way we lead the church right now in 2021 is not the way we led the church in 2016, mm-hmm. 2017, and even, even earlier than that, right? The game has absolutely changed fundamentally because of COVID, 
and because of the acceleration and change in our culture. So you want to find somebody, and this is something going forward is like, you know, who are the ones that are going to be able to help us navigate the next season of, of leadership and change in the church? Probably the ones that are leading right now through it and, and have endured it in t- at least in 2020, 2019, 2020, and 2021. So those are some things maybe to keep in your back pocket and think think about for the future. Yeah, going back to what you said about percentage of success, if a guy boasts 100% success, I probably wouldn't trust that guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because why isn't he retired on a beach somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, and 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 if he's never, I would one hundred percent say this: if he's never tasted the deep well of failure, yes, the bitter water, <laughs> then don't listen to a word he has to say. If he couldn't do a stupid things I did and survived episode with us, <laughs> then I I don't want to hear what he's got. I don't want to hear it. Yeah, that's true. There's a fantastic book that I read several years ago called Leading with a Limp. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's got by, by a guy named Dan Allender. And in it, he talks about the formative experience of failing as a leader and how that is, is if you look at most of the, the significant leaders throughout the New Testament and the Old Testament, they had some kind of moment, you know, one of those Jacob moments where their their hip got put out of socket and then they were broken and they they failed and then they led forward with a limp. And I think that's key. I, I would agree. You have to have experienced and learned from what it's like to have it not go the way that you were planning. And and so to, to summarize and recap a little bit of, of that, right? should you get a consultant or some sort of outside help? Abs- absolutely. You should not try to lead alone. And I, I want to even just echo that a little bit of, I was I was listening to a book here recently, and it said this. This guy was a pastor of a of a church, and his wife was a therapist. And she said, "Here's what she's talking to her, her husband, who's a pastor." She said, "Here's what I don't understand. I have fifteen to twenty clients, and because I have fifteen to twenty clients, I am required to have a supervisor that is checking in on how I'm processing and how I'm doing, and and is." consulting and coaching me in in everything that I'm doing because I have 15 to 20 clients. You have X amount of church members that you're responsible for leading and you, you don't report really to anyone, right? Like you, (laughs) like you don't actually get supervised in the scenario he's in really by anybody. And, And so here's what I'd say is not only should you get outside, like, Yes, like it should be you should always have somebody listen always have somebody that's speaking into you that's asking you hard questions that can can say hard things to you whenever you need to hear them can call you out on stuff that you can go to with difficult questions. You you are not meant to do this alone. No you will not find that anywhere in the Bible. Yep. That you're meant to do this alone. It is unwise for you to even attempt to do so. So one, should you? 100%, absolutely. Two, who should you get? Trusted confidants, coaches, people that have been there, that have tasted the bitter deep wells of failure, but have also seen God do some things and know what it's like to be on either side of that coin. Guys that know what it's like in the trenches right there where you are recently and can feel that in some way and are going to ask good questions. And so we've taken enough time on this that I think we're going to split to a part two on how to know if your church is even ready. So there's one thing for you to be ready, 
But it's a whole other thing to know that your congregation is ready. So come back next week. We'll jump into part two of this discussion about getting a consultation. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.